Blog Talk Radio. I believe that everyone who is present here today came with real and special purpose. And I believe that as an answer to this, that in this session, some very outstanding benefits are going to be received by every one of you. I believe that you should go forth into life with an attitude of enthusiasm, as we tell you again and again, that life meets you just like you meet life. Challenges of life require work. Success requires mental and physical action. If you want to improve yourself, you've got to do something. And you've got to stop thinking that the president ought to do it for you, or the governor ought to do it for you, or society ought to do it for you. Because you see, in the final analysis, no one can do my doing for me. I can give you these techniques, like the one we're on now, telling you when you wake up in the morning, ask yourself the question, how am I going to meet life today? And reminding yourself, today life is going to meet me just like I meet life. And see, there is absolute science. Again, it's not blind faith. It's not dumb luck. But today, life is going to meet me just like I meet life. And today, if I meet someone that doesn't like me, it's because somewhere in my consciousness, I don't like myself. Now, some of these little pills may be a little bitter to swallow. Because you see here also in this philosophy, there are no scapegoats. There's no devil to blame here. In this philosophy, you are your own devil. You are your own God. Only you can choose the path that you must try. And nothing can save you from evil or sin until you discover the presence of God within. And as Reverend Ike has said in that immortal lecture, I meet no one but me. In other people, I only meet myself. You can never meet anyone but yourself. The attitudes and moods that you encounter in other people are reflections of some attitudes and moods within your own subconscious mind. Today, life meets me just like I meet life. Let's shout it. Today, life meets me just like I meet life. And when you realize that, you can ask yourself the next question. After you remind yourself that today life meets me just like I meet life, then ask yourself the next question. In what attitude do I go forth to meet life today? In what attitude do I go forth to meet life today? Say that with me verbally. In what attitude do I go forth to meet life today? I like to play with words and to say these ideas from many different similar ways. Impress your subconscious mind. Change words around a bit. In what frame of mind am I meeting life today? Please repeat that with me. In what frame of mind am I meeting life today? And you can be absolutely certain. Again, this is science. You can be absolutely certain that life is going to meet you exactly according to your attitude, according to your frame of mind. And then when you realize that, then you begin to work on your state of mind. You begin to work on your attitude. This is why I'm always using the old cliche here, health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. You can change it to an affirmation. 
Today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. Together, today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. The thought of health in your mind will displace all of the suggestions in the world mind about sickness. Today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. And you see, you send your word forth and you're going to meet it because you're always meeting the word that has gone forth out of your consciousness in the experiences of your life. You're always meeting the vibrations which you've sent forth. If you send out healthy vibrations, you're going to meet health. When the so-called epidemics go around, they'll go around you. Why? Because today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. Say that with me. Today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. And yes, this is a miracle-working idea. It will work a miracle of health for you. And not only that, when you go forth into life with a healthy attitude, do you realize that your attitudes are always impinging upon the experiences of other people? A healthy attitude is also a healing power. My healthy attitude is a healing power. Together, my healthy attitude is a healing power. This is why these people who have developed a healing consciousness or a health consciousness help and bless so many people. But you see, on your job, if you go forth into life and onto your job or into school or wherever you're going with the right attitude, with the right ideas, without even opening your mouth, you will help people. Some of you right now, you can think of some people. When you see them, you feel better. And you can think of some other people, perhaps in the past, that isn't true now, because you've changed your phone number and your address and you won't tell them where you are. You can think of some people that, you know, you used to see, and it was just depressing just to see them. And I don't care if they are your relatives. If there are people who are just negative and they insist on being negative, Change your phone number. And when you change your address, don't send them your address. Get your post office box. Send them a Christmas card once a year. From the post office box. <laughs> but anyway, today I go forth into life with a happy attitude. Shout it. Today I go forth into life with a happy attitude. You remember that verse of scripture, my word that goes forth out of my mouth shall not return unto me void, but it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it, and it shall accomplish that which I please. So what you say about yourself, what, you believe, what I believe and say about myself is the word of God to my experience. Come on. What I believe and say about myself is the word of God to my experience. See, the Word of God is not something on paper with black ink and gold edges and a black leather cover. I'm sorry to tell you good religious people that. I see some of you are in a state of shock. The Word of God is what I believe and say about myself. So in the morning, when I say today, I go forth into life with a healthy attitude. I go forth into life with a happy attitude. This word of health 
this word of happiness becomes the word of God to my experience and governs my experience. The word of God is not something written centuries ago by sages and prophets. The word of God is what you believe and speak about yourself every moment. You see, if you believe the right thing about yourself, you believe the right thing about me. If you love yourself correctly, then you can love others correctly. But this is where the sociologists go off, you know. They try to apply a general sociological panacea to solve all of the social problems. But the first unit of society is the individual. And in order to heal society, first of all, the individual must be healed. The individual must first come to peace with himself. That's why I love so much that beautiful song, Let There Be Peace on Earth, and let it begin with me. But you see, the sociologists are so busy telling what's wrong with everybody else. People are experts on what's wrong with the next person. So people know what other people ought to do and what they ought not to do, but don't know what the hell they should do themselves. And the different ethnic groups and social groups and so on, you know, we know exactly what other people ought to do. But we've got to get back to the individual. And you see, this individual who begins his day by coming to peace with himself and speaking the word of good for himself, today I go forth into life with a healthy attitude, with a happy attitude. He contributes to the uplifting of society. And only such an individual experience of inner peace can redeem society. You see, the world as a whole is not going to be saved. The world is never going to be saved. A lot of good people have tried to save the world. See, that's why I gave up the world. I quit trying to save it. Because the world has one consistent treatment for its would-be saviors, and that's crucify him. And I ain't aching for a shaking. And you who think that it's your job to save the world, get your cross ready. <laughs> but you see, that's another thing. You see, even after the world crucifies you for trying to save it, it's not going to be saved. I love Jesus more than I ever loved him because I understand him better than I've ever understood him. And he wanted so badly to save the world. He worked a lot of miracles, healed the sick, raised the dead, turned water to wine. Wished I was there to get some of it. <laughs> But the world just wouldn't be saved. And the world is never going to be saved. Only the individual can be saved, and the individual must save himself by discovering his own indwelling God power. And it would do good if the sociologists learned this. Only the individual can be saved. You're not going to save society. You're not going to save the world. And we've had centuries of salvationists. Now, God knows if all of this hellfire and brimstone preaching would save the world, the world would be saved. People standing on corners. The, the airwaves are rife with evangelists, one after the other, snorting fire and damnation. But as I've said many times before, preaching even about sin against sin increases sin rather than decreases it. I never learned about sin except in church and in Sunday school. 
And, you know, some of the things that they taught me that were sin, I decided to try, and some of them weren't so bad. Like, for example, they told me it was a sin to play ball on Sunday. Now, I've been preaching since I was 14, you know, and after I had preached revival meetings all week and taught Sunday school until, you know, in the morning and, and so on and so forth, I'd take the kids out of the church and we'd go out in the woods and play ball. I enjoyed that sin. And I was glad to discover that the Almighty wasn't mad with me. It was only man's misguided ideas. You see, each man makes God after his own image and likeness. Mean people have a mean God. As someone has said, God made man in his own image and likeness, and man, being a gentleman, returned the favor. And yes, each man makes his own God. Because every man's God thinks just like that man thinks. Stop and think about it. Like I told you about the hellfire and brimstone preacher that became so famous maybe a hundred or so years ago, Jonathan Edwards. He was famous for preaching about hell. That was his area of expertise, hell. He'd preach about hell until people got saved. And as soon as the scare wore off, they'd... <laughs> they would lose their religion. And you have to be careful, you know, in the area of religion that you're not serving somebody else's misguided concept of God. Be careful that you're not serving somebody else's ignorant concept of God. And you see, that's really what organized religion is. It's a jumbo mumbo of the theologians' upside-down ideas about God. And they don't agree, as you know. Why should I serve Calvin's God? And I'll be damned if I'm going to serve Jonathan Edwards' angry God. See, Jonathan Edwards had an angry God. He was the hell preacher. And his famous sermon was, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. He can have that angry God. That's his God. I told you everybody makes his own God. I'm not going to let his God touch me with his angry hands. <laughs> Write this question down. Whose concept of God am I serving? And it isn't even enough for you to serve your mother's God. You know, we used to sing that song, Give Me That Old Time Religion. It was good for my old mother. It was good for my old father. It's good enough for me. Watch it. <laughs> that isn't good enough. As a matter of fact, that is one of the most extreme errors that you can ever make to serve anybody else's God, even mother's God or father's God. There's really only one God, and that is really consciousness, but each man serves his own concept of God. Each man relates to his own concept of God. All right. These are money-making, miracle-working ideas that I'm giving you. Let's get back to your morning treatment again. Today I go forth into life with a loving attitude. Shout it with me. Today, I go forth into life with a loving attitude. And you know, if you really do that, you will meet nothing but love. I've had some interesting experiences. I've had people who didn't understand what I was about, who would make certain challenges. And the next time I saw them, they had come to understand. I remember 
I spoke at Morris Brown College in Atlanta, Georgia for the first time. There was a great gathering, in, and there were two people in particular that were very negative. One young man who stood up during the question and answer period and said, Well, Reverend Ike, if the stuff you use is so great, why is this and why is that and why is the other? And the other most negative person that I met after that lecture was another young lady who was in school who spoke to me quietly after and said, You know, I just don't think that I can make it through college. So I took about five minutes to talk with her. I went back and gave an entire series of lectures to four different colleges there in the Atlanta University Center. And I found these two most negative people had changed completely. The young man's face was beaming and smiling, and he came to me and apologized for his negative attitude that he had expressed in the first assembly and said he was getting along just fine and that he had accepted my positive thoughts. The young lady came to me beaming also. Her grades had gone up. And she says she thinks that she can make it through. And I said, how many A's do you have? And she told me how many A's and how many B's. And I said, when I come back, I want, I want to see all A's. But something does happen when you find the presence of God within you. And when you build within your own mind, your own loving concept of God. Now, you see another thing that we're doing here also. We're doing many things. I want you to be building also a loving concept of God in your mind. There's only one place where the Bible gives a most concise definition of God in three words. And what does it say? God is love. Is hellfire and damnation love? No. But mind you now, hell is real. But you see, you create it for yourself. And the next thing about hell, you know that you don't have to die to go to hell. I'm a witness you don't. Because I've been there. And I'm glad I'm out. And I don't care what the preachers say, I'm not going back. The same way, you don't have to die to go to heaven. As a matter of fact, dying won't put you either in heaven or hell. Sorry about that, good church folks. You have to do more than physically die to get to heaven or hell. Because heaven and hell are the movements of your own mind. States of consciousness. Perhaps every one of us at some point or the other in our lives have been in some kind of a hell of a fix. One hell that I got out of and I'm glad of it is the hell of poverty. That's hell. When I was in high school and lunch was seven cents a day and I didn't have the seven cents... And I tried to make it through the afternoon classes with my stomach growling back at me. That was hell. That's why some people say, to me, Reverend Ike, do you ever fast? I said, yes. <laughs> Between breakfast and lunch. <laughs> now, I've done my fasting. I'm through with all this long praying and fasting and supplication. I've had my hell on earth. From now on, as long as I remain on this earth, I'm going to have my heaven on earth. It's heaven from now on. Say that with me. It's heaven from now on. 
Let's get back to the morning treatment. Today I go forth into life with a loving attitude. Come on. Today I go forth into life with a loving attitude. God is love. So include love in your concept of God. And yes, if you turn your back on that love, you will experience hell. And not after you die. You'll start right here. And there's no telling where you'll go after that. When you find the heaven that is within you, then you'll find yourself in heaven. But not until then. Because when you do leave this body, one thing you take with you. One thing. You take your state of consciousness. Your state of mind. You take your self-concept with you when you leave this body. And that's all you take. You take what you believe about yourself when you leave. And you will experience life here and after, according to what you believe about yourself. If you've got an angry God that you believe in, you'll go to meet him. If you believe in that other fellow, you'll go to meet him. You won't even give him an honorable mention. He's been promoted too much by the church already. When you find the heaven that is within you, then you'll find yourself in heaven, but not till then. And I suggest to you that heaven is within you. The love of God is in you. The goodness of God is within you. The greatness of God is within you. The infinite possibilities of God are within you. But you must make these possibilities realities by knowing the presence of God within you and letting it express. Now again, to these people who say to me, yeah, Reverend Ike, but what about life after death? I say, what about life before death? And do you believe in life after death? No, I don't believe in life after death. I believe in life after life. All right. Today, I go forth into life with a loving attitude. I want you to say this the third time. Come on, shout it. Today, I go forth into life with a loving attitude. You try this in the morning. If you do that, some more people will come to you and hug you and kiss you. It's very interesting. I ride down the freeway. People roll down their windows and wave their prayer cloths and shout, Reverend Ike, we love you. And you know, that blesses me. And, and I don't take that in an egotistical sense at all. Because you see, the self that I teach you to believe in is not the human sense of self. It's not the ego self, but rather what I call the divine self, the God self. And right away in my spiritual consciousness, when people say, Reverend Ike, we love you, I translate it to me in, Reverend Ike, I love the God in you. And this is why this philosophy is not an ego trip, and it's careful for you to understand that. It's not the human I that I'm teaching you to believe in, but the divine I. And you must understand that. Back to the morning treatment. Today, I go forth into life in a successful, prosperous attitude. Oh, you'd be surprised what would happen. Because you opened your mind to right ideas. Today I go forth into life with a money-drawing attitude. Today I go forth into life with a money-drawing attitude. I'm a witness that if you go forth into life with a money-drawing attitude, you will draw it. And this is the meaning of the words of Jesus. When he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me.
It means whatever idea I lift up in my mind will draw all of the corresponding manifestations into my life. We've worked at this from the positive side. Let's observe it from the other side for a moment. You wake up in the morning and drag out of bed. Oh, another day. Oh, my God, it's raining. Huh? I sure hate to have to go and meet the man this morning. Oh, and that old SOB I have to work with. Am I reading you? You're calling them to you, you see. You're setting yourself up good. Oh, I sure feel bad. Oh. Sure wish I didn't have to go. Listen, if you honestly don't wish you had to go, you'd better not go. <laughs> it is dangerous to go forth into life dragging your feet and dragging your tail like a defeated dog. Even employers, industry, are beginning to recognize the direct connection between attitudes and productivity. A happy man is a productive man, whether he's employed by another or in his own enterprise. A loving person is a productive person. As I told you last week, even money loves a happy person. Oh, all of these money-making, miracle-working ideas I'm giving you. Get in the habit of programming yourself every morning. Maybe it'll take five minutes, ten minutes, or fifteen minutes. But you just remember it's dangerous to go out to meet life if you aren't ready. There's no telling what you'll meet. Again, back to the money-drawing affirmation. Today I go forth into life with a money-drawing attitude. Shout it like you mean it. Today I go forth into life with a money-drawing And another thing about going forth into life with a money-drawing attitude, you'll find money coming to you from new directions. When you open your mind to money-making ideas, you'll be surprised what happens. Somebody got a an idea about selling peanuts at baseball games and cold drinks and some of the great restaurant chains and some of the large hotel chains. You take, for example, the Marriott Corporation, multi-billion dollar corporation, started as a root beer stand at a baseball stadium in the summer. And too many times, you know, people think that in order for them to improve themselves financially, that they have to start with some grandiose scheme, whatever that is, with some big idea. You see, that's, that's the trouble with some of you. You're waiting for some big idea. Think back for a moment about all of the financially successful people and the tycoons of industry 
and business. Most industries and businesses started with a simple idea. Ideas that come to you all the time. And I now tell you, some of you sitting right here have simple talents that other people are making millions and millions of dollars from. You take Colonel Saunders. He learned how to fry chicken. As the song said, a chicken ain't nothing but a bird. That was his area of expertise. That was his forte. He could fry chicken. By the way, you know, I just loved Colonel Saunders. He's one of the apostles of the science of living. So you have your apostles, I've got mine. Mine are Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, as I've told you, and Colonel Saunders. There's another one. And I said this, first of all, to an audience of predominantly black people. I know some black women that could outfry Colonel Saunders with his chicken any day. And why ain't you rich? You complain, I don't have any education. Well, you can fry chicken, can't you? <laughs> Take another simple multi-million dollar idea. What's this big hamburger chain? McDonald's. <laughs> Cleaning up on the stock exchange. When other big corporations go bankrupt and fold up. Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, and the rest of the big fast food chains are just booming. Simple idea hamburger. Some of you women in here can make better hamburgers. Why ain't you rich? You know, because too many times we scorn the simple talents and the simple abilities that we have. We discount ourselves. And we listen to those preachers who tell us we don't deserve the goodness of God. We listen to those preachers who tell us that we ain't nothing. And you stand up in church and sing, such a worm as I. You know what happens to a worm. A worm gets stepped on, ground into the dirt. I told you last Sunday, it's dangerous to go to some of these churches. It's dangerous to sing some of those hymns. You know, you got to sing for such a worm as I. If worm is your self-concept, you're going to get the treatment of a worm. And to tell you the truth, there are just so many simple ideas that have made people rich. And I'm black enough to pick out the black people, you see. They can't get mad with me, you see, because I know what it's all about. I used to be black myself. <laughs> Until I went green. <laughs> I'm making you aware, and I want to be redundant and repetitious about this, of just some of the simple things that have made millions and billions, and making you aware that you have those talents. But too many people complain about what they don't have and the opportunities that they don't have so that they don't see the ones that they do have. You take the C's Candy Company. Started with a little old lady making candy in her kitchen. And that candy was so good. She kept making it for a family. Her friends tasted it, and she started making it for her friends. And then they said to her, hey, why don't you put this on the market? She put it on the market and lived into her 90s as president and founder of C's Candy Company. There's a young black man over there on Hollywood Boulevard, Amos, with a cookie 
You know, chocolate chip, and I, I like the butterscotch and pecan. He used to bake cookies for his friends and carry them around in a bag with him wherever he went. He's been written up in the New York Times and a lot, lot of other fancy counterparts of the media. And he would give these cookies to his friends. See, it shows you also, you know, what a sweet attitude and a giving spirit will do for you. First of all, he had what? A sweet attitude. And a giving spirit. And when he would go to different offices and to visit his friends and so on, he'd leave them a cookie or two. And those cookies were so good that they had him baking more and more cookies. And so the idea hit him, hey, put this on the market. Now, anybody who tastes those cookies just go right out of their gourds, whatever that means. <laughs> so the other day I stopped off. I wouldn't get but a quarter pound, you know, because I'm trimming down. Can't you see that? No. So I made a special trip over there to Amos's cookie shop on Sunset. And I met him in person. And he personally gave me a sample of each one of his cookies. And he told me about how the big, fancy stores, like Bloomingdale's in New York, for example, are giving him concessions and orders. He ships those things all over the world. Anybody who tastes one of his cookies is hooked. They don't care what color his skin is. His cookie is good. You have multi-million dollar talents. Shout that in the first person. I have multi-million dollar talents. Come on. I have multi-million dollar talents. And I say to you, they're simple talents. Now, all of you all go over and get some cookies from Amos and tell him I sent you and I want my commission. Keep a record of how much you spend so I'll know what my commission is supposed to be. One of my most beautiful experiences on last evening was to meet four-star general Chappie James. Talked with him last night. And they didn't give him those four stars because he was black. They gave him those four stars because he has what it takes. And he's using it. Now, I did a sermon by that title also. You've got what it takes. And you see, all successful people, either consciously or unconsciously, follow the same philosophy. And the general discussed this philosophy of positive self-awareness last night. He said, I want you to come and speak to the troops of my command. He said, just let me know when you're coming. Spoke to James Brown, young fellow that I admire, who used to shine shoes on the streets of Augusta, Georgia. Discovered also that he was born across the line in South Carolina where I was born. He's a multimillionaire, successful young fellow. Both he and I could be sitting on logs in South Carolina in the woods right now saying, poor black us, the white people won't let us. The system is against us. <laughs> and you know all black folks have got talent if you can't sing you can dance <laughs> another one of my most beautiful experiences that I ever had was to meet 
a lady who is now Dr. Pearl McGee of Los Angeles. A few years ago when I was preaching over at the Shrine Auditorium, a lady that had been on welfare, the number of children, for like some 20 years. She said the reason she came to that service was because her mother had recommended that she came, and she said, I just felt like Reverend Ike had something that could help me. And she said she was just so tired of being on welfare. She said she'd just become a welfare slave because she had been on welfare that long and struggled to support her children and herself on that welfare budget. She, she said she discovered something within herself. And she said something I'll never forget. She said to all of the mothers on welfare, she said, if you don't have any other talent, if you have raised children, you are a child care expert. I'll never forget that. Isn't that the truth? Any woman that has a number of children and cares for those children is a child care expert. She took that idea and she began to form groups in the black community among welfare mothers and recipients so that they could care for children in different ways while other mothers worked and so on. And first of all gave them the idea, you do have something, you do have a talent. You got a house full of children, haven't you? You're a child care expert. So nobody else had told him that before. Everybody else, all the sociologists and social workers would come by, you poor black people. And you black people have been black people to death. You have been poor people to death. You have been underprivileged people to death. We've had enough of that. And I was so happy when reading the Los Angeles Sentinel the other day to see a picture of Dr. Pearl McGee in very prestigious company at some college. And it's another interesting thing. When she got this child care specialist idea for mothers with a lot of children and on, on welfare, she did so well with it that one of the local colleges gave her a community doctorate. That's how she became Dr. Pearl McGee. Because, you see, she brought forth a new area of expertise. Who had ever thought of that before? They should have, but they hadn't. But she opened her mind to that idea. And she did so well in teaching these welfare mothers. You are an expert. You're a specialist. Shouldn't everybody's a specialist in something. And every one of you here, if you're not a specialist in anything else, you're a specialist in negative thinking. You're a specialist in worrying, like one man who wrote, a, who, who tried to succeed. He, he said he, everything he tried, he flopped, he failed. And so in despair, he threw up his hands and wrote a book, How I Failed. And the book was a big success. <laughs> By the way, Dr. Pearl McGee is here. Stand up for a moment, Dr. McGee. Give her a big hand.
of all the people I've ever met. I'll never forget that. She wrote a beautiful poem. Yeah, I'll have to rerun that, that television tape here real soon. It, it'll bless and it'll help a lot of people. I just wanted to see her and talk with her before I did it to be sure she was still on the right track. You still on the right track, Pearl? All right. <laughs> so you see, she got that miracle-working, money-making idea. And it's a wonderful thing now that even formal educationalists, never heard that before, are really beginning to recognize what education is. And a woman who has been on welfare for some 20 years with a house full of children and discovers within herself that she has the talent of a child care specialist and uses that talent to get off of welfare, her and her family, and to teach others to get off is just as much a doctor, which really means teacher, as anybody else. Because, you see, even the doctors of sociology never came up with that before. All they were, came up with were more handouts, and they've run out of those now. I've given you a lot of money-making, miracle-working ideas. I want you to take these notes with you. These notes in particular teach you how to open your mind to right ideas, to loving ideas, to happy ideas, to healthy ideas, to successful, prosperous ideas. These notes teach you and, and give you in the meditation there a practice for opening your mind to riches, to money. Because whatever you open your mind to, you're going to get it. But you have to know what you're opening your mind to. But that's the big trick. You see, most people don't know what the hell their minds are open to. And when they get it, they wonder, where did this come from? Why did this happen to me? Reverend Ike, don't tell me that I thought this up. I want you to pray this devil off of me. <laughs> I want you to ask God to change things. You know, and we use that old cliche, prayer changes things. But I don't stop that there. I say prayer changes things because it changes you. Prayer changes things because it changes me. Shout it. Prayer changes things because it changes me. And you see, if your prayers don't change you, your prayers aren't going to change a damn thing. And people are good at that too. You know, we pray for prayer. Lord, change him. Change my husband. Change that old mean SOB at the butcher shop that cheats me. Change the white folks. And for God's sake, change those black folks. <laughs> change the Chicanos and the Italians. <laughs> Why don't you say, Lord, change me? That's what Brother Paul meant when he said, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, Paul got off every once in a while. He had a hang-up about money and women. <laughs> I think about the root love of money is the root of all evil. And nobody bothered to correct him until I came along and had the audacity to say that it is the lack of money that is the root of all evil. And he told the women, sit down, shut up, be quiet in the church. 
I think some chick must have really done him a deal. And he never got over it. Perhaps the psychiatrist would say he had a domineering mother. <laughs> and a weak father figure. All right, I'm going to sit with you and have this closing meditation. Take a deep breath. Mm, three of them. Tilt your chin slightly upward. Close your outer eyes. Put a faint smile on your countenance. Because we now go within to meet the presence the divine presence, and we want to meet the divine presence with joy, with love, with praise, with thanksgiving. For this divine presence within ourselves is the Father that Jesus spoke about, that Jesus spoke to, and that Jesus communed with. This is the presence which all of the prophets communed with. Now repeat this prayer treatment with me. I now enter into my secret closet and I look upon the stage of my imagination and I see myself. I see myself as I wish to be. I see myself being what I want to be. I see myself doing what I want to do. I see myself having all the good that I want to have. I see myself having a surplus of all good. Thank you, God, in me. I see myself as a beautiful person in God. God in me is beautiful. God smiles through my face. God laughs through my voice. The light of God shines through my eyes. I share the love and goodness of God with everyone that I come into contact with and with everyone that I think about and with everyone who thinks about me, no matter where they may be in the universe. For there is no distance in divine consciousness. Thank you, God, in me. I see myself as a successful, prosperous person. I move from success to success. I move from prosperity to prosperity. I see myself as a person who has a wonderful relationship with money. 
I see money circulating in my life. I see myself enjoying more money than I have ever had in my life. I see myself using more money than I've ever used in my life. I have money, but money does not have me. Money is my servant. I'm not the servant of money. But money loves me. Money loves to fill my hands and pockets. I see my hands full of money. I see my arms full of money. I see a mountain of money piled into my arms. God bless you, money. You're wonderful stuff. You're welcome in my hands. You're welcome in my pockets. You're welcome to fill every one of my purses. Money, you're welcome in my bank accounts. You're welcome in my investments. Welcome, money. I thank God for money. I have no hang-ups about money. I'm enjoying money. I see myself enjoying using money to buy the beautiful things that I want. I see myself on shopping sprees, buying beautiful furniture, beautiful clothes, beautiful cars. I see myself taking fabulous vacations several times a year. I see myself in the beautiful places of earth where I wish to visit. Having a ball, having money to spend, to use, to enjoy, and a surplus left over. Oh, bless you, money. You wonderful stuff. And now I am tuned into money, to success and prosperity. And so it is. It cannot be otherwise. And I rejoice because of it. Thank you, God, in me. Open your eyes slowly. Oh, how I felt that one. Now, this visualizing I suggest you do every night before you go to sleep. You know, this is what I do when you come here. I cast a spell on you. I cast forth the good spell. This is the meaning of the gospel, you see. The gospel is a good spell. I cast upon you the spell of health, the spell of happiness, the spell of love, the spell of success, the spell of prosperity, the spell of money. And I don't want you to break this spell. And now, health, happiness, love, success and prosperity, lots of money go with you. 